Every one of us has unresolved issues we carry around. In a word, it's called baggage. Although we do our best to ignore, conceal, or deny it, our baggage burdens our lives and negatively impacts our relationships. If not dealt with properly, our baggage can lead us to a place of bondage. So glad that you're joining us today in the room or online today. And, and our number one um, prayer request every single week is that uh, those who come uh, to our service or attend our service or watch our service will experience God. Because if you experience God, that's, that's worthwhile, that, that's life changing. And if you just kind of experience some person up here, then that, that doesn't last. And so that's why we always go to God's Word for, for everyday issues, and, and we go through book studies, character studies, or issue studies, and we are in part three of a series called Secret Baggage, Secret Baggage. Baggage is unresolved issues in our life. It's usually issues that God is kind of tapping on our heart, going, when are you going to deal with this? I'm here to help. When are you going to deal with this? And we kind of stuff it and hide it, ignore it, deny it. But it's no secret that we have baggage to those we live with and love and work with. They know something's up, and we're not really running with freedom in life. We're just kind of dredging through life because we're dragging baggage behind us. So this whole series is, is to, to help us to put down the baggage, unpack it, leave it there, and live on and move forward in life and, and experience the, the freedom that, that Christ can provide. Um, we, we taught this series nine years ago. It, it, uh, it just had a profound effect on many people. And then last year we put it in a book form. And I, I can't cover every chapter or any, everything in a chapter in this series, but it's available for you if, you, if you'd like. It's uh, on our resource page on our website. Um, or if you have notes, you have a QR code where you could uh, queue on that and, and follow along if you want to purchase one. But not here to make money, but uh, everything we're, 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 I, get to, I get to bless uh, the Horizon Initiative uh, for, for the income that God brings in. But it's mainly to help people get freedom. We talked about part one, we talked about generational sin, that sin that we, we, uh, we saw and modeled our parents or even grandparents and it's passed from one generation to the next. And if we're not careful, we'll take the same generational sin and give it to our kids. And last week we talked about enabling. Enabling, that is, you know, we, there's someone in our life that we love and care for, but we allow their irresponsible behavior just to continue. And we protect them, we rescue them from consequences that they deserve. And God allows consequences to help us to grow and help us to change. So we talked about enablement last Sunday. Now today's baggage, if you do not have this baggage, you are a blessed person. Sadly, though, a lot of people have this baggage. My dad had this baggage until he met Jesus Christ, and God took it away. And I didn't grow up in a home with this baggage. It's because of Jesus. A lot of people have it. And the issue that we're going to talk about today, the baggage, is starvation. Starvation. Now, 
I'm not talking about being deprived of food or physical nourishment. It's not on the physical nature. Let me give you the definition of this bag of starvation. It is when one is deprived of unconditional love and emotional nourishment. God has hardwired all of us to receive unconditional love and emotional nourishment. And when someone does not receive that growing up, they're starved for it. They're lacking in it. They are craving it. And I hope that if this, this is you and you've, maybe you've, on the outside you look good, you look successful, you look happy, but when I just read this description you went, that's me. I pray that today I will point you in the path toward freedom. I can't give it to you, but Christ can. But if you also, maybe this will help you understand your spouse better, or understand your coworker better, or a good friend in your life, and maybe help them, point them in the path toward freedom. The central point uh, today is this, is that when one is deprived of unconditional love and emotional nourishment, they will be on a desperate search for these unmet needs. They will be on a desperate search for unconditional love. They will be on a desperate search for having their emotional needs fulfilled and met. And the phrase is, they will often go looking for love in all the wrong places. Why? Because God made us to need those. He designed us to crave it. Designed it to crave it. Now I'm going to give you some symptoms of starvation, and then we'll turn to Scripture for the understanding of it, and then the hope that we can have at our disposal. First symptom of starvation is someone who is starved with this, that they often experience a performance-based love. They experience love, but it's all about performance. It's all about what they do. And if that, this is you, that you, you felt love, but it came with conditions. You, you experienced love, but there was a fine print. That you would get love if you got high grades. So you would receive love if you made the team. You'll receive lots of love if you do good on that team. You'll receive love if you get that part in the play. You'll receive love if you get the solo on the, on the musical. And subconsciously, you learned... In order to receive love, I must do. I must perform. And it's usually, sadly, I got to do something that make my parents look good. And, and the result of that is you've transitioned that concept of unconditional love and performance. You got to perform. You've transferred that to your view of God. Yeah, God loves me, but I've got to do this and this and that, and I've got I, I to keep up all the time, because if I slip up, the love of God will, will disappear. That is not true. That is a lie from Satan. 
Now, if you were alive and well in the 90s, you heard of a famous tennis player by the name of Andre Agassi. It's weird. He started in the 90s with lots of hair, and he finished with the 90s with no hair. But he was a champion, an incredible uh, tennis player, uh, won lots of championships in the, you know, the U.S. Open and Wimbledon and all that. And then he was, you know, handsome and very energetic, and so he had a lot of commercials. His most famous commercial was for the Canyon Rebel with the phrase, image is everything. And he, that wasn't just a paycheck from Canon. That was his life. No one knew it. But to Andre Agassi, image was everything. And then after he retired from playing tennis, he wrote his memoir called Open. And he was opened about some things that shocked the tennis world, shocked the tennis world. When he said this, I hated tennis from the first day I picked up a racket. Shocked the tennis world. He wasn't driven by passion and love of the game for championships. He was in a desperate search for approval from his father and nourishment and love from his father. He said this about his father in this book. My father was unable to tell the difference between loving me and loving tennis. So he looked to go on the outside, but he was starving on the inside. Turn to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs 27. There's a couple of powerful verses in there that will help us understand why people make choices that they, they make when they're starving for unconditional love and emotional nourishment and the desperate search for those unmet needs. But I'm going to continue before we get there for some more symptoms of starvation. One, performance-based love. Another symptom of starvation is there's a lack of verbal affirmation and encouragement. Verbal affirmation and encouragement. Verbal affirmation and encouragement of I love you, I'm proud of you, I'm so glad you're my son or my daughter, you know, I, I, I love, all that sort of, that is oxygen to someone's soul. And so when they don't receive that oxygen, they, they're starving, and they're dying inside for verbal affirmation and encouragement. And so what happens often is that I'm just going to try harder, I'm going to work harder, and i got to be perfect at work. And I'm, I'm, if I'm perfect doing my job, I'll get recognized, and I'll receive verbal affirmation and encouragement. And then when they do receive it, it, subconsciously they go, well, I only received it because I performed. It's exhausting to live that way. Another symptom of starvation is appropriate physical touch. See, God wired the human body to receive the appropriate physical touch and all the nerve endings, not just to feel like, oh, there's a wall that I just ran into. That hurt. No, not for just for that. It's from human beings, human contact, literal human contact with appropriate physical touch. And there's lots of research now 
And when I was writing the, this chapter, I did lots of research, and there's all kinds of research. I mean, you, you go, you know, go to places in Europe where there's orphanages where they just drop off babies, and if a baby is not cuddled and held and hugged early on, they stop growing and even die. Because a baby is meant to be touched appropriately and held and cuddled and snuggled. There's also that bonding that takes place with the parent. But when that's gone, it affects little babies physically. Uh, Michelle Trudeau wrote some of her research about this. I'll read just a little bit about the physical touch and, and her article, uh, Human Connections Start with a Friendly Touch. She says this, if a, and this, all, and this is really sensitive today, and being a former coach of, uh, of high school girl basketball players, I, I, it's super sensitive, but it can still be done appropriately. So please filter what I'm going to say through the appropriate way to touch, and I'll give you some examples. She says this, if a teacher touches a student on the back or arm, that student is more likely to participate in class. The more athletes high-five and hug their teammates, the better their game. A touch can make patients like their doctors more. Hand-holding or hugging also results in a decrease of the stress hormone cortisol. Having this friendly touch, does something, uh, just somebody simply touching an arm or holding it buffers the psychological consequences of the stressful moment. I asked, um, when I was putting this book together a couple years ago, I just asked, put it out there, if anybody has a story, here's, here's the chapter, here's what it, it's all about. If you, have, if you have a story that you had that baggage, let me know and it may get in the book. And, and I, was, I was blessed by a lot of responses from people here at Grace Point Church. One young lady close to our family and I gave them the option they can keep their name or change their name. And she chose, please change it to a different name. And so I did. And, and she talked about, I, I looked around at my friends. And every time I saw one of my friends being hugged by their family, it hurt. Now, I love my, my dad. I love my parents. But I, I didn't get any of that. So she went looking for it in all the wrong places. And she said, now, I... Once I finally understood my identity comes from Christ, I started making better choices. And another um, friend of mine uh, wrote me an email and, and said, I, I was that one. I, I, didn't, I didn't receive a love or, or, or verbal affirmation from my mom or dad. I was abused. I was kicked out. And I was put in the foster system. And everywhere I went, I, I, was, I was neglected or abused. And, and so I built up this wall that no one is ever going to hurt me again. And he, and he says, I never understood until you, you brought it up out. And I'm like, wait, wait a second, that's me. I was starved for that. And see, he said, I, I, I was like, do my best to please my, my boss, not only in the Navy, but then at the shipyard. And, and then I was like the top of my class and the top of my office. And now it makes sense why I, my bosses liked me because of my performance, but I had no friends. Desperate search for an unmet need, unmet need. There's tremendous power. Parents, grandparents, 
tremendous power, those verbal affirmations, telling them you love them, you're proud of them for who they are, not what they do. An appropriate physical touch. Again, my, my dad had this baggage, and then he met Jesus at age 25. I was still in diapers. And God began to heal him and change him. And I grew up in a home that was very loving and very affectionate, you know. And, and my dad had to learn that. And he taught me certain things. He says, Barry, if I ever walk past you and I squeeze your elbow or I squeeze your shoulder, I'm telling you I love you. And guess what I did as a basketball coach? Same thing. Actually, I do it now. I squeezed like seven elbows already this morning. Okay? Because like Sundays are my game day. I got to focus and I got to save my energy and focus, 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 focus. And and I'll I'll hit, hit, you know, side hug, squeeze, whatever. But as a coach, I did. And here I got a bunch of high school girls that some of them never have been around their father and and abusive homes and neglected homes. and, And I would tell them. This is what I'm doing, and what it, this is what it means. And I said, when you're coming off the court, I said, if I pat your head gently, it's one of the most tender spots in the human body, that is telling you I am so proud of you, and Coach B loves you. People are desperate for it. But have you ever wondered why people make stupid decisions? Makes no sense. Why would you date someone, let alone marry them, that are completely rude to you, disrespectful to you, and abusive to you? Have you ever wondered that? I almost guarantee that person who chose poorly has the baggage of starvation. And Proverbs 27 gives us a peek inside of what's going on. First of all, verse 5, it says this. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Now, healthy rebuke is if a friend pulls you aside and says, okay, dude, you know I care about you, but what are you, why are you acting this way? What is up? you got to knock that off. If a friend does that, the healthy way is it's done in private. And if they do that, do you realize how much courage it took and love it took for them to do that? They are telling you how much they care about you. That's healthy rebuke. But this is open rebuke. In the Hebrew language, very picturesque, it says, it says to be exposed in front of people, to be laid bare. I mean, this is to be embarrassed publicly. I mean, that's like one of our, all, all of our fears, right, is to be brought up and stand in front of your entire boat or stand in front of your entire office and you are, you're embarrassed. The, the picture of this, time, this era is when a, a, a nation would come in and conquer, and they would, they would take slaves and bring them back to their, their nation. They would strip them naked and have them chained walking out of town. Complete embarrassment. That's what he's talking about. It is better to be openly rebuked than for hidden love. Hidden love in the Hebrew means, means this, closed up withdrawn love. Meaning there is love there, but it's closed up. It's withdrawn. It's like doled out in small doses. When's the last time you told people in your life that you love that you actually love them? Well, they know. Stop that. Tell them. 
tell them. Two verses later, says this, one who is full loathes honey on the comb, which was like, I mean, you had to be wealthy to have that back in this time. One who is full loathes honey on the comb, but to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. That is why they go after those relationships that are so unhealthy. Because if there's a remote chance, a remote, you know, picking up of care and attention, and, and I think that might be love, and they're, they're, they're reading it all wrong. Why, but why? why? is because they're hungry. They're starving. So even what is bitter tastes sweet. One of the stories I want to read today, there's two parts to it. She allowed her, her, her real name, Crystal, to share her story, and it is incredibly powerful. I'm going to walk you through her story and then her freedom that she found in Christ. She said this, I, I came from a household where I didn't receive hugs, kisses, or hear I love you from my parents or siblings. My parents' dysfunction was taught to us by their actions and how they treated each other. I ached for love and attention. So growing up, I looked for it any, anywhere and everywhere I could get it. I watched my friends and their families, how they embraced their parents and vice versa, and I always wished to have that. It never made, it never made sense at the time why I never wanted to be home. And always wanted to be somewhere else, else where someone else could love me. Now I understand that I was crying out because I was starving. My parents subconsciously trained me to fear and have no hope for humanity. The, the hurt they felt is the hurt I would feel. The hopelessness they, would, uh, they felt would be how I viewed the world. I always felt stupid as a child. They never took the time to teach me anything different. How could they? They were caught up in their own pain they brought on each other. I understand that now. Two years ago, for the first time in my life, I began to taste freedom from this baggage called starvation. You see, it was two years ago that I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. Afterward, I really started studying the Word of God every single Word. As a result, I found my purpose as a mother and as a wife through God's word. There is one day I'll never forget. What may seem simple to most people was monumental to me. It was the day I looked up the word happy in the dictionary. As I read its definition, tears began to flow from my eyes when I realized that I was finally happy. What God was teaching me and how he was changing me caused me to soak up this brand new reality into my life. I read this definition and, and feel exactly how it was defined was, was eye-opening and something completely new to me. And I love this last sentence. Now, my heavenly father was bringing me up the way I should have been brought up when I was young. See, when you meet Jesus and allow him and his word to penetrate your life, you're going to begin to be reparented, re, um, kind of retaught of how to love. Go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 4. 
1 John chapter 4, I'm going to look at four verses. First two is going to give you some information, what, what it is, and then the second two are application. And if you, if you are a person who is starved, I'm going to get this passage is your hope, is a path to unlocking your freedom. But I'm going to, before we dive into shortly, I'm going to give you some ways how to break the cycle of starvation. The first thing to break, if you want to, if you want to break the cycle of, star, of starvation, is this, is start believing God loves you. You're like, well, I know he loves you. I didn't say know it. Start believing it. A lot of people know it, but they don't believe it. So in 1 John 4, 9 and 10, it says this, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. We celebrated that today when we celebrated communion. That Jesus was our sacrifice that atoned, covered our sin. And why did he do that? Because we're so good looking? Because we're so lovable? No. He, 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 he sent his son and Jesus died on the cross because he loved us first. This is love, he says. Let me give you an example of love. Let me give you a picture of love. It's Jesus paying for your sin. There, there's a, a man who's now recently went to heaven uh, right before COVID. His name is Gary Smalley. I mean, he was like, um, he authored so many books and, and, and taught marriage and family, you know, conferences. And he was like the go-to expert. But what happened for years early in his ministry, he was dying inside because he had a secret baggage. And, and he would speak and sound great, write great. But then the people that he worked with in his office... They didn't know what Gary was going to walk in that day. They walked on eggshells. Is Gary going to be the angry Gary or the happy Gary? And it was all because of his hurt and his baggage. And then he writes one book, his most personal book, is he, he talked about, and it's called Change Your Heart, Change Your Life. And he went on to talk about is that he knew that God loved him, but he never believed it. He said, the day I actually started believing that God loved me was the day I started walking in freedom. And he changed from the inside out because he started believing that God loved him. The second step to break the cycle of starvation is start loving others the way God loves you. Start loving others the way God loves you. God loves you when you're, in, you're a pain in the butt. God still loves you. So they love people when they're a pain in the butt. God loves you when you're just, you're just not a nice person. Love people when they're just not nice. Love others the way God loved you. Now, I, put, I want to purposely put this on the screen, not the lower thirds. Verse 11, same context. He says, dear friends, since God so loved us, right, by dying on the cross, we ought to, what? Love one another. Ought to, meaning it, we should be compelled to love others because of, because of the love we see from Christ. But then he, he, he explains something in kind of in a different, unique way. Maybe you've read this before and just kind of read right past it. Let's pause a little bit. John says this, no one has seen God. He's talking about God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, 
He, he, he took on flesh, all right? But God the Father is spirit. No one has seen God, but he's trying to explain something. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made, what's this word? Complete in us. He's saying something's incomplete in you. But if you start loving others the way God has loved you, and since God, God hasn't seen, no one's seen God, but God's going to live in you, and his love is going to complete something in you that is incomplete. And that's love. The second part of Crystal's story is just absolutely amazing. Because she started living out 1 John 4. She understood 9 and 10, but now she started living out 11 and 12. And she said this. If I would have the right paper, page, oh, there we go. She goes, my freedom started to flourish when I began to flee from this all too familiar bag baggage in my life. As a mother, I was starting to pass along the generational starvation baggage to my children. With the help of God, I experienced it being turned around one uncomfortable step at a time. I came to realize that I couldn't hold a grudge against my parents. God showed me that they could not and were not capable of giving me unconditional love because they didn't know any better. All my parents knew was their own pain and hurt and struggle. They didn't realize what they were doing to us children. So how could I hold something like this against them any longer? Frankly, she said, I did hold it against them for, for the first 29 years of my life until I met God. But now God revealed it to me, I must let it go. Because I was starting to bring that negativity into my children's life. It was time to change. And I truly took every word God was teaching me, began to apply it to my life. And as a result, as a result of forgiving her parents and letting it go, as a result, I couldn't blame my parents for their lack of guidance, but I could be grateful that God's word was left behind to help me and allow God to re-raise me. She goes on to say that the more she loved her parents, something that was broken inside began to heal. Something that was incomplete inside became complete. She lived, she's living this out. This is uh, verse 12 out. The last challenge to break the cycle of starvation, this is the upper level course uh, uh, homework. It's this to confront your God-given needs. To confront your God-given needs. To break the cycle of starvation, you need to confront, if they're still alive, your parents, for what you didn't have met. Now, this is an advanced step when you are healthier. That is why on the notes that you have in your program, on the bottom there's some counselors. Christian counselors, I encourage you to go to them, help them unpack. But uh, when you are healthier, then attempt this. Because what I'm going to share with you is scary. But a much needed step in your life. 
Years ago, I read the book Tender Warrior by Pastor Stu Weber. He's now retired, but let me tell you what he wrote. And every time I tell it, I cry, so I don't know if I'll get through it without choking up. But he, but he, was, uh, uh, he met Jesus in Vietnam. He was a Marine in Vietnam, and, I, and he met Jesus. And, uh, and he's, you know, basically, I surrender my life and I'll do whatever. And he, and he came back from Vietnam as now a baby Christian and started to study, and God led him to become a pastor and an author. And so now he has teenage sons growing up, and he's loving them and, and, and giving to them what he never received. He never heard his dad say once that he loved them, and he never had anything, uh, emotional nourishment and hugs. Or, he got none of that. Why? Because his dad was a World War II Marine. So he, his dad was a Marine, he's a Marine, but everything changed when Stu met Jesus. So now he's looking at his teenage sons in Central Oregon, and he was like, wait a second, I, I, I'm glad I can give to my boys what they need, but I never got it. And he had an idea. I'm going to go talk to my dad. And, and he went there like, he just needs to re, be retrained, and I'm going to retrain my dad. So he drives to Yakima, three-hour drive, and he gets there, sits down, talks to his dad, and he's all nervous because he knows what he's going to say and ask. And, and so he's like, I'm going to risk rejection again. And so in his conversation with his dad, he was like, hey, dad, I love you. And his dad was like. And he was like, oh, i got to ask this question. So he did. He goes, dad, do you love me? Well, you know I do. I need to hear it. Say those words. I love you. Louder. <laughs> His dad said it louder. Then he went to go home and he said, Dad, stand up. I need a hug. He walked over and his dad had his arms out and he goes, well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hug him then. He hugged his dad. As his dad stood there, he goes, it felt like I hugged a statue. And he went home. About a month or so later, he comes back to his dad, talking to him, and Dad, I love you. Well, I love you too. He says, that night when I went to go home, and I said, Dad, stand up, I need a hug before I leave. His dad lifted his arms, and he goes, I hugged my dad, and all of a sudden I felt in my back. <laughs> he was like, yes. He goes home. He did this a number of times. He said, the day I'll never forget, I drive to Yakima, I'm pulling up in the driveway, and my dad's saw me coming, he opens the door and he starts coming toward me with his arms out. He's like, son, I love you. And they embraced. He confronted his God-given needs. Now, I don't know if you're going to get that or not. But if, if not, you have a heavenly father who loves you, who's proud of you, who loves you unconditionally even when you're an idiot. <laughs> he loves you so much that he gave his son to die on the cross for your sin. And he can't wait for you to get to heaven. 
And when you get to heaven, you're going to feel the embrace of your heavenly Father and Jesus included like you've never felt before. Why? Because he loves you. And he hardwired you for those needs, that he will meet those needs in your life. Would you pray with me? See, I told you I couldn't get through that story. God, you know who is listening to this, who they felt like they just got sucker punched because they've, they have this bag, it's called starvation. God, I pray that you would draw them to a relationship with you if they don't. And just like Crystal, everything changed when she trusted Jesus and, and, then, and then started diving into God's word, understanding what God wanted her to know and then that helped her love her parents back. And what was incomplete in her began to become complete, filled with the love of God, her heavenly father. So God, I pray that you would Move in the hearts of those who have been starved for unconditional love and emotional nourishment, and they would find freedom in a relationship with you, and you would re-raise them and change them from the inside out and heal them from the inside out. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. We say, amen. Thank you so much for being here. If I uh, saw that the visitor parking lot is full, if you're our guest today, thank you. We would love for you to go to guest services. We have a gift for you, and we'd love to have you back next week. I'm going to put two baggages together, anxiety and fear. Anxiety and fear. I hope to see you back next week. May God bless you. Have a wonderful day.